Right, guys, you're very welcome back today to the, our, is it our fourth or fifth podcast? Fifth. Fifth, thanks, fifth podcast, that's great, thank God Danny's here. So a fifth podcast, guys, on coaching philosophy, and we're here in Cook Park with Johnny Cremins uh, at St. Michael's Football Club. So, or St. Michael's AFC, actually, Athletic Football Club, I got it wrong. Um, so, look, St. Michael's is a club that's uh, really well respected in this town, okay, they've won three FEI Junior Cup finals in their history. Um, really, to be honest, a professional setup down here, I mean, Look, evidence of that is Johnny had the cross on South this morning for us in the cup of tea ready. <laughs> we didn't get that anywhere else. So, good start. But yeah, look, Johnny Cremins is with us today. Um, we're delighted to have him because for me, there's no, I suppose, St. Michael's without Cremins and there's no Cremins without St. Michael's. And that's not just Johnny now, that's Johnny's family. His entire family is entrenched, engrossed in St. Michael's. He's been involved in St. Michael's for years, as has his family. Um, and as I said, I suppose we're lucky to have St. Michael's as a club. They're an excellent club and they really represent the town well on a national level. And I mean, I was, I'm up the country now living in Bray and, I'm, and Bray is a massive soccer town. I can't under, uh, overestimate or under, I can't uh, actually say about that enough. They, they love their soccer up there. And I even talk about St. Michael's up there and they know who St. Michael's are, you know. So great to have you anyway. But what I wanted to get into anyway was, um, I suppose the 1974 team is a famous team here in, in Tipperary town. Everybody knows about them. Everybody knows that photo of the 1974 FEI Junior Cup winning team of St. Michael's. We know some of the names. We know Hawk the Wire, right? We know Dennis Crimmins. Um, it's a picture that I've seen all over the town. I've seen it uh, in shops. I've seen it in, you know, in pubs. I've seen it in restaurants. And we even saw it here this morning. So I suppose there's some history in this club and there's been some great players that have gone through it. But what I'd like to ask you, Johnny, is What's your first memory of, of St. Michael's? Obviously, your father was massively involved in it and he's an absolute gent. But what's your first memory? Was it watching a game? Was it playing? Was it being coached? What, what's your first memory of it? Yeah, I suppose, to be honest, as you said, like, my father was very involved. He was part of that 74 team. So I suppose you could say I was born into the club. You know, yeah. um, I, I was lucky enough. Uh, I was in um, Dublin in 1974 at the cup final. I was only eight, but I do have some vague recollections. It's probably the the um, the earliest memory I have at the time of of actually being um, in Talca Park. It was wet. It was raining, um, and as I say, it was eight, and uh, it's it's quite a while back now. But I that's probably the first memory I have um, of of St Michael's and of of matches. Yeah, nice one. So I suppose. Where we're going to go with it then is, uh, Danny wanted to ask you a question. We're going to go in and talk maybe a bit about your, your, your coaching philosophy and things like that. But Yeah, yeah sure. Uh, Johnny, thanks for joining us on the podcast. And uh, like I said, Fergal said, very professional setup with the team in the crosslands this morning. But I just want to share a small story for, with everyone that uh, I have of Johnny. Um, play, when we were playing under 15s, uh, we got to Tip Cup semi-final and Johnny, Johnny stepped in. Probably similar to what you're doing today with the, with the under 15s today. And uh, we were playing Clamell Town, and it was nil nil just leading up to half time. And we had a couple of corners in the match, and they were going kind of wayward all yeah. over the place. And I was kind of waiting at the edge of the box for my Stevie G moment. But uh, Johnny shouted in from the sideline, last corner and a half. Danny White, late run, back post. So I listened, got to the back post with a late run, scored a header. We ended up winning the game 2 0 onto the final. We ended up actually winning the final as well. But that's my, uh, that's, uh, I was lucky enough to be, be even just even that, get that much off of uh, Johnny's coaching. So um, yeah. I suppose my question was, um, Johnny, where would you have gathered your information with uh, regards 
uh, coaching lessons, coaching knowledge? Would you do you talk to a lot of coaches? Do you do you find your information online, or would you have done courses or or anything like that? I I suppose uh, all of the above, Danny. To be perfectly honest, first and foremost, let me say. Danny White scoring a header is is something that uh, I'd have to check my records. But, uh, <laughs> I don't think there's a lot of people around the place who would believe that one. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, going back, I mean, obviously I'm involved in soccer all my life. And you, you, you know, you, you make contacts and you get to know people. And, you, you know, I've been lucky enough to watch St. Michael's, irrespective of coaching, for the last 40 odd years. So different managers, different coaches, different methods of doing things. And you, you pick up something from everybody you deal yeah. with, you know. Um, on top of that, then, you know, I, I started the, the, the formal coaching process, I suppose, back in 2000. I did my very first coaching course with the FAI back in 2000. And, and since then, I've, I've progressed through the whole, I, 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 lucky enough to hold a UEFA license, like, which is probably the second highest coaching uh, license that's in existence at the moment. Yeah. So I've gone through that process as well. Um, and, and, and over that period of time, between the courses, between dealing with people, speaking to people and people you meet, you just pick up a lot of information. Well, I'll just come in there, Johnny. I think what a lot of people would say about you as well is you've a great eye for the game. So, and, I, and I only had you underage as well, uh, under 14s, under 12s, whatever. But I do think you have a really good eye for the game and a lot of people say that about you. So, like, I think that's underestimated. You can do as many coaching badges as you want. You can do this badge and that badge. But you need to look at it, watch a lot of football. And when I mean watch a lot of football, not just look at it, but actually be take, analyse the game, be taken in what's going on in the game. If you're watching games, how are the, how's the left back doing? How's the right back doing? Actually properly analyse it. When you're watching a game, do you watch it through the lens of a spectator or through a coach? Um, funnily enough, I suppose that, that's evolved over the years. Like, you know, initially you watch a game as a spectator and you see what's happening. But... It, and I think that's one thing I have learned from the, the coaching process is that you watch games differently now. You know, you, you're, you, you know what system or, or what, what is intended going into a game. And you, yeah. you tend to watch a game in a different light. You, like it's, it's a case of, you know, what's working in terms of what you want to do, what's working. And even watching opposition teams, you know, what are they trying to achieve? So most definitely you you definitely look at games in a different manner as you go through a coaching process particularly if you're going to a game to do a a particular job i.e. someone that we're coming up against in a big game where you're actually going to analyse them what's the danger areas what do they try and do yeah what do they try to do what's their purpose what's what's the build up did you you enjoy that aspect of the coaching that maybe you're after setting up it away and say right that's actually not working now Let's try a different way. Yeah, absolutely. That's, I think that's the part of coaching that I love, you know, is that, you know, it's, it's, it's thinking about the game. It's, it's, I, think the, I think junior football has evolved over the years, in, that there is more coaches involved where, where I think, and no disrespect to anybody before, but, you know, the game, the game was played, everybody played 4-4-2, and, you know, teams were fit and... and good football and teams that went down and played the games. It has evolved probably more, it's probably more tactical now where teams are set up differently. Teams of different games, particularly the Dublin teams, you know. So, yeah, you you love putting yourself against opposition coaches and saying, okay, yeah, this is what you do. Now I'm going to come up with a plan to counteract that. So you're nearly watching as a coach versus a coach type of of game. Absolutely. And then, funnily enough, you end up watching a lot of games even the games on the telly 
you yeah. end up watching it from that perspective as opposed to just to sit back. It's almost impossible to switch off to just sit back and enjoy a game. You know? That's yeah. That's kind yeah. of what's going on. Can you actually get enjoyment out of? Do you st- so? Do you still enjoy watching football then? Love it. Love it. Even it's though you're kind of nearly coaching, you're watching Chelsea or Man United, and you're nearly coaching well, them to the telly as well. a lead sporter, so <laughs> yeah. yeah. So at the moment, I love watching football. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. would you say, would you like to set your team up like Leeds, or would you no. think would say Michael's be able for that? No, I, I actually don't think anybody be able for it. And I'm I'm starting to to have my doubts as to whether Leeds are able for it at the moment. But um, but but again, you know, when you get someone like Bielsa, who who again like. Um, has a completely different philosophy yeah. on football to most of the coaches in the Premier League. It is very interesting to watch how that evolves and, and how other teams counteract what Leeds are doing. And, and yeah, to answer the question, that, that's how I watch games now, you know. Yeah. I suppose, I, yeah, did you have something else to add about the coaching? No, 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 it's not. Yeah, so we kind of briefly kind of brought up there in the introduction there, uh, Johnny, we were talking about the culture here, like, some people think St. Michael's is a bit of a clothes shop, like, and what I mean, I don't mean that in a negative way, you know, it is a very professional setup here, like, you know, you, and you have to be, you know, a quality footballer uh, and a really committed person to get on the first 11 team here. And I'd even say commitment more even though than, than the football, to be honest with you. It, we, were even, we were talking to even Shane Ryan last night and he was just telling us that, you know, the commitment that he gives to St. Michael's is huge and that... He's been involved in Tipperary setups and he's been involved in, you know, other clubs in GA and he said, you know, he didn't really feel like anything compared to the, the commitment with, with St. Michael's. He said it's a huge commitment, you know, once you walk in the door. Yeah, you... yeah so an interesting one about Shane, actually. We asked him about uh, going up to the Irish uh, amateur level and we said, which one probably feels more serious when you arrive? And he actually said St. Michael's. <laughs> so that, that'll tell you the level of commitment and uh, professionalism, I suppose, that's needed. So what's so Danny wanted? To, or sorry, yeah, Dick, yeah. Well, even tied to that, like, even Shane was saying that, like, not to be naming them all the time but he was saying that if he went to a different club he'd find it hard to implement that but the fact that he's in this club he wants to just essentially toe the line do you know he, he's yeah. kind of looking at fellas like he said he'd find it hard now to go out the country or whatever and say right this is the way we do things like, do you know what yeah I, I think culture is, is, is a massive word culture is, is really what my philosophy and, and Chalky and everybody in the club is that you know, we, we, we have a set of values, I, I suppose is, is probably the right word, that are required to be a St. Michael's player. It, yeah. it, it's not just that you're a good player. That's a given, obviously, because of the standard of players in the yeah. team that you won't get in unless you're a good player. But it's not just that. There's a huge level of commitment. Huge level have of you commitment. Had to, I don't want you to name players, obviously, Johnny, uh, but have you had to let, leave players go in the past because they were good players, but maybe they didn't, uh, they didn't uh, toe the line in terms of the culture or the, the habits that you wanted or the values? Yeah, and 100%. And I won't even say that we let players go. Players have left. I mean, we've had players in, international players, top, top players, who just just didn't like it, you know. And, yeah. I mean, they've just, they've just come in and said, no, this is too much. Too much, yeah. You know, and, and, and to be fair, you know, to, to everybody, and this is why I think that the current batch of St. Michael's players in particular, or those over the last 10 or 15 years, deserves so much credit. You know, you don't go out on a Saturday night. That's a given. Yeah. You know, so to tell a twenty-one or twenty-two-year-old for the next seven months, you don't go out on Saturday night. <laughs> that, like that's that's, that's a big it's, commitment. It, it's a big yeah, commitment. it's easy for me to say. It's easy for Chalky to say. But but like when you're that age, you know, and all your friends are out as twenty-firsts and all of that. Type, that level of commitment is is massive. Like, and I suppose we appreciate that that is the level of commitment that 
the players give us but it is the level that is required to be a St. Michael's player I suppose so Johnny like it goes back to like we were obviously talking to Baca and Willie Staunton before about him and it's player led I'm sure you and Chalky don't talk about that like. you know, that's player led from your senior players that if something goes out that it's them that, that says it like, you know? yeah I mean again it's I suppose it's a given at this yeah. stage you know it, it's not something that that we we you have to speak about, about. yeah, yeah. I mean it and especially now because we've we've a new group of young lads coming through and they're learning what it's all about you know and they're learning that you know yeah it's just a given and I suppose they're lucky when they look at the likes of Brino and Higgy and Bansy yeah. and those lads they can see you know that's that's the way the boys carry on. That's the standards that the lads have. Yeah. They're looking up to them, like, and they that's, look into that's it, yeah. where they get their, their habits from, their values from. Yeah. That, yeah. And, and again, I suppose we're looking in that because of that, we've had a lot of success. So, yeah. so the younger lads are looking at that and say, well, yeah, this is the way to go. Yeah. No, definitely. I think there's an intensity to the way, say, Michael's play, and there's a mentality within the club for sure. I was just going to go in my kind of my story about Johnny. So last time I came across Johnny was under twelves uh, against Clarehan down there, and I think I was talking to one of the boys last week, and he said that the the containers are actually still down there in Clarehan. Yeah. But we we're in the containers anyway. We we're getting tra- changed anyway for an under twelves game, and I'd been watching a lot of match a day at the time. I just started watching it. Really, it was only twelve, but uh, I think I saw a couple of players, maybe a couple of Arsenal players, I'd say. Uh, wearing gloves and stuff so I decided you know this I was going to wear a pair of gloves now it was still September so the weather was actually really nice and it was a, it was a hot day I don't know you, you probably don't this, this doesn't stand out in your memory I'd imagine Johnny but I mean you, you, uh, you've you won a lot of things you've had a lot of success in football but I was down the back of the container anyway and you could cut the, I suppose the energy with a knife it was quite intense we weren't doing too well we needed a win that day um, even though we had a fantastic team at the time we had the likes of uh, I suppose Timmy Kiley uh, uh, Gary Froon, uh, two boys who went overseas so that was a real quality team we even had uh, Darren Lowry was a good player at the time as well on the team so I won't name any more but look we had a lot of good players but I was down the back anyway getting ready to put the, 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 the gloves on and uh, the nah, obviously not the goalie gloves but just a pair of gloves to keep my hands warm but the sun was splitting the rocks as I said anyway and Johnny shouts down to the back of the container and goes Fergal take off them fucking gloves will you <laughs> but just <laughs> I think that really, for me, is a story about Johnny that describes kind of your honesty and you're up front and you kind of say it how it, how it is. And I, I presume that might have got you into trouble at times as well, like, because you kind of, you are very honest and you do say things how they are. But what I liked, I also wanted to add is a, another memory I have of is when you were coaching us, you, you kicked every ball. You were involved in every piece of play. Uh, I felt like you were on the field with us. You were very, very intense and... You were upset, like, you know, when it didn't go our way and you were delighted when it went our way. Not in a negative way. You weren't, like, a pushy coach or anything like that. You were a great coach, but I really felt like you, you as coach, and you almost felt like you were playing on the field. Has, your menta- has that mentality changed over time? Have you mellowed out a bit, or are you still mad, Johnny, or what, what way does that work like? Um, I, I would like to... Th- well, first of all, for, I'm, I'm sure I didn't use the F word for, to, to 12-year-olds. But, I, but uh, I, take your, I take your point. Um, yeah, look, t- to be brutally honest, I'd like to think I have mellowed. I'm sure there's a lot of the first team lads here that would disagree. Um, and yeah, that, that, I suppose when I, when I started coaching and you go back through those times and you know, I was coaching kids and I was coaching that, the, the first team and you know, there's, there was probably an intense, uh, intensity is probably the right word, um, lunatic, some people would say, you know, yeah. but, um, and it did get me into a lot of trouble. And it got me into a lot of trouble, to be honest, with referees in particular, where 
where you know you, you react to a lot of things. Yeah. And I and I think part of the learning process and part of experience is that you you learn that not every referee hates you or not every referee is out to do you and that games don't always go your way and, and you you know you learn as you go along and you you you, you definitely mellow the intensity is still there without a shadow of a doubt like the 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 enthusiasm all of that is still there but i think you know i've i've learned the five second rule is, is a rule i adopt a lot now where i just shut my mouth for five seconds and then uh, most of the time then it, it stops um that reaction but i suppose yeah, you know particularly school by level football has changed you 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 very very rarely see that at school by level anymore you yeah. know a lot of Again, going back to the SFAI and the FAI and the coaching courses, mm. there's a lot of work being put into what they call the silent sideline, yeah. where, where you do your work in training or you do your, your work yeah. before a game, and then you let the kids play yeah. and let the kids do, and then you, you, know, you come back at half time or you come back on the Tuesday night. Yeah. So, um, yeah, definitely at school by level, I, I, I'm a completely different person. Um, no, I, 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 think, yeah. I think even like, and I didn't want to make it a negative thing, I think it just, I suppose it was more, more even about like, I think that, it, you know, it hurt you when we lost, like, so you have a real passion for the game. Like, it, I could, you could see it that it really did mean something to you. Like, even under 12s, and it, I don't, even if you're going out in an FAI Junior Cup senior final, or you're coaching under 12s team, I feel like you come to it with the same mindset, the same intensity, like, you, you want the team to do the best they can and stuff like that like you know you give everything to yeah. it like type oh, of I know I, and I do and I suppose again it just goes back to the fact that you know I'm, I'm rooted in St. Michael's my whole life I've been involved in St. Michael's so I want the best for St. Michael's you know that, that's where my mindset is so if you play for St. Michael's and, and you give me as a player you give me what I'm looking for and give me the the determination and the attitude and all yeah. that then as a coach I'll give as much back yeah. and I suppose that's that's my mantra is yeah. that you know the standards work both ways you know we set standards but if we also have standards for ourselves that if you give us as a player what we want then we'll do everything in our power to make sure that you get what anything you need like to perform yeah and you do you, you know you do look after your young players and the players that have gone on to do bigger things I suppose you I think this, a lot of uh, young players here would say that the club kind of does guide them in terms of their career even Pat and things like that like, and there's evidence of that isn't there but yeah. did you have anything else in terms yeah, no, of culture I, uh, that was actually a funny one Johnny that you were because I think we were going to mention it later on but I suppose because you're Johnny Cremins and you're so ingrained in the history like do you feel is there a pressure is there a kind of a, you want your teams to do that well like is it or is it just from coach because we've all done a bit of coaching and Obviously, the team you're involved in, you want them to do well, but do you find that there's, there's a pressure of being a Cremins involved in St. Michael's to do well? I, I'm not sure whether it's, 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 it's what we say being a Cremins per se, but, but personally, you know, just going back to the team of 1974, like f for so long within the club, the team of 1974, obviously they're, they're all legends in the club. It was the team that won the FBI. Revered, yeah. Yeah, and at, at a time... You know, where a team from a small town went to Dublin and beat the might of Talca Rovers. You know, in junior football at that time, like, nobody beat the Dublin teams. Yeah. You know, so, and, and that was, they, they, it almost became an obsession then, like, for everyone in the club 
that we need to win another FAI. We need to win. And as the years went on and through the 80s and the 90s, we had close calls and we lost quarterfinals and we lost semifinals, games that we felt we shouldn't have lost. Actually, Johnny, I, come in, I actually think that might have been a factor that drove this club on to where it went. Once you get that taste, like in 1974, can you mention there, you wanted more, didn't you? And you were kind of, you had this hunger, like, and you were driving on, like, we need to get that again, we need to get that again. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I think that, as a club, you know, the FAI, it, almost to a detriment at one, you know, a point where it became like, oh, it's, it's the FAI Junior Cup or, or nothing, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, you'd win Munster Juniors and you'd be going, uh, yeah, but we didn't win the FI, we were knocked out of the FI. And then you, you sit back and you reflect, but we've just won a Munster Junior Cup, we're just like second biggest competition we're in. Yeah. So that, that, I suppose, that drove me, you know, a lot. That, that dro- and it drove me, in, I suppose, in terms of negative ways, in, as you say, the pressure of when I, when I took over the first team in, in 2000, or 99, 2000. Um, you know, and, and through that time, that there was uh, a lot of pressure. Uh, but most of it was placed by myself, to be honest, because I wanted for the club, not for Johnny Kremlis, but for the club to win an FEI. 2014 was magnificent because that lifted that pressure, you know? And I think, you know, they, they got the second title and it was a fantastic day above in the Aviva and, and that year. And I think, you know, all of a sudden then you had a group of players who had done it all. They had won everything. And, and I think the pressure eased then, and as you say, we, like, the five years since then have been just unbelievable in terms of what we've won. So, yeah, that, that pressure, probably more self-inflicted than anything. But you even know? adding to that, Johnny, like you, obviously you said self-inflicting, but like I'm sure when you were going to town and you were seeing some of the winners of the 1974, now not that any of them would ever turn around to you and say, oh, well, you know, what's the story? But there probably was a pressure... John, yourself, you, you probably did feel that pressure. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and even the players playing, like, you know, they... Like there was still that shadow, under they? they still had that shadow over it. Yeah, and, and funny shadow shadow's a word that was used a lot. I, I, I didn't see it as a shadow. I, I saw that as the standard, you know. Yeah. But yeah. I, I saw them as being the team and I suppose because my father was on it and, and I knew um, you know, everyone on the team, I saw them as, as being something that we need to achieve. We need to reach that point again. You know, and, and going back to the coaching, that's what put me on the coaching path because I said, Well, if I'm going to if, if the standards that I set for the players are to be achieved and are to be met, then I have to meet the same standards. So can I be the best that I can be for the players? You know, and, and it was that sort of a mindset and that question that said, right, okay, now I'm going to get on that coaching path. Now I'm going to see, is there anything I can learn to make the team better? I think that's a great point because I think as a player, you can only look after your own performance. And obviously every player on the team, but as a coach at least you can kind of impact every player's performance a little bit more. So you kind of have uh, a hand in 11, 15, whatever it is on a, on, on a squad 18, you know, uh, players' performances. You're, you're kind of, you can kind of set the standard with them and it allows you to have more of an impact. You have more of a reach as a coach, I think, rather than just being a player because you're only one cog in the wheel, whereas a coach, you're kind of, you're turning that cog, you're turning that wheel, you know? So that's yeah. kind of, yeah. kind of goes back to what you're saying there. Maybe go turn into coaching was kind of your opportunity to go right to give back. I'm going to give back and I'm going to put us in this direction again like where yeah. we're going to go forward and we're going to win this thing and I think it's great that 14 was brilliant because I think you have new heroes then and you know the old heroes while they're still respected at least it's you know it's, it's like I suppose 
that whole Mayo thing, like, do you know what I mean? Like, like they're still looking at that team as the team that won the All Ireland, and they're still they're still living with it. I know for St Michael's it wasn't as as long or as much, but it's still the same kind of idea that look, we've new heroes now, and those are they're still heroes, but they're not the you know just young lads now thinking about the fourteen team, like you know, as yeah. opposed to seventy fourteen. Yeah, right. But yeah, then you wanted to come in there with a little bit more. I did, yeah. Stuff. So, so Johnny, you were talking there about uh, uh, taking on the team as the first team uh, or taking on the role as the first team manager and uh, going into coaching and stuff like that. So I suppose we were having a chat last night and we kind of wanted to ask you the question: What do you feel like are the difference between maybe coaching the first team and managing the for- first team? I know you were saying earlier that you're kind of more of a, a management team now at the moment um, what, what's, what's your take on the difference between the coach and the management of the teams um, I, I think yeah there's probably a significant difference as, as things are now you know I was the manager the coach I was responsible for everything obviously picking the team you know and the, the entire management of of the unit if we want to call it that yeah. now like Chalky's the manager Right, he he looks after the picking of the team, um, the everything around that. If somebody you know, has an issue with selection, yeah. they go to ch- they go oh, to chalk. Yeah. yeah, you know he yeah. he he manages that whole process, and then we have discussions in terms of football and what do we want, what direction we want to go in, um, and and how how we're going to work that. I take charge of all of the training and and then implement the the plan as such that that we both. Um, agree on yeah, we agree on yeah. so there is there is a little less pressure as a coach you know um, there is more I suppose thinking of it in terms of the football inside of things um, and but there's a lot of work involved as well obviously because you know again you, you're talking about serious bunch of players very high standards so you have coaching sessions to be put together twice a week you have you know match day plans so um, it's still quite a busy role but I would suppose slightly less pressurised than being the main man, you know. Yeah. And I suppose, as you said, such a high standard, like, do you feel pressure coming, like, I need to come, these boys need feeding, like, with good drills, basically, like, and I need to come with stuff that's not, I suppose, state-of-the-art is the wrong word, but stuff that's going to uh, allow them to achieve and allow them to progress, like, you know, because they're going to want good drills, good coaching, you know, so do you yeah, feel no, pressure with that? Yeah, there, there, there it is, and, and, you know, again, not focusing too much on the older lads, but the older lads have been around a long time and I've coached them a long time. So you you got to freshen it up. You can't be doing the same drills and that you did 10, 15 years ago because yeah. players get stayed. So you got to keep that side of it going. And then you have the younger lads coming through who are almost at the beginning of the process where the lads were 10 years ago or 12 years ago and you're starting to work with the younger lads and show them this is what we're looking for. So... I won't say pressure, but it's because I, I love it, and uh, but it is it is very interesting. You're constantly reviewing what you do. You're constantly, um, and, and I will say that the FAI's coach education department are phenomenal, and that's the only word I can use. the The amount of resources they have, the amount of courses, um, you you have to do continuous professional development every year to keep yeah. your licenses, and what they bring to the table is 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 fantastic as well. You know, just as a matter of interest, Johnny, and I know some of the older characters that'll be here or whatever. Like, was there ever a session you just you just sit and fancy it, and the boys said to you, Johnny, that was shite. Yeah, yeah. On, on a regular <laughs> basis, they said to me, yeah. you know, and and it does. Like, no, but you know, yeah. like the standard isn't yeah. maybe there, and they they don't feel that that you brought it that night or whatever. Absolutely, and and I suppose you know we we. We forget at times that you know we're we're amateurs and and we all have our lives and we all have our day jobs, and yeah, most definitely you come over here some nights and you've had a bad day at work or you're tired or whatever, and 
you know, again, experienced lads, they, they'll feed off that straight away. They'll know. No. And, and, and also, you go over and you could be bouncing off it. Yeah. And some of the lads will come in and some of the lads will have had bad days and the session just goes to pot and you can see it. And then, you know, you just have to take that as part of the process. And I think that for every coach and at any court, you're going to get nights like that and you're going to get days like that. I think in teaching, like we call it like differentiation, you know, it, it's, it's, it's hard to have a lesson or have a, or have a coaching session that both an experienced player can gain, get something out of, and a player just joining can get something out of. And how to have, a, I suppose, a, a session that allows both players to get as much as they can out of it is a difficult and a challenging thing. And I suppose in term, terms of challenge, Declan, we're just going to ask you, we're going to look at some seasons in particular that you've been involved in and uh, ask you about some challenges that you had. I suppose, look, 2010 and 2011, got beaten back-to-back FAs. Is there anything you would have changed, Johnny? And I suppose the second part of the question, like, would have, how did it affect you throughout that summer? Like, was it, did it gnaw at you? Did it, did it grain at you? It, it did, it did. <laughs> yeah. Every time we lose a game, it gnaws at me, irrespective of what, what, what level it's at. Now, to be fair, the first game, like, that was penalties. It's you know, like that. Yeah, it, it, two completely different games, yeah. to be honest with you. Um, like, I think the the one against Pike Rovers still rankles a little bit because we had we'd gone into Limerick in the semi final of the Munster Junior Cup and probably put in in, in my eyes the best performance uh, that any St Michael's team have under me where we we beat them five one I think it was and we give we give an exhibition of football on the night um, and I thought we were superior in in every way on the night to come couple of weeks later and to lose an FAI Junior Cup final to them. Was there complacency? I don't think there was. I think I think they didn't have Wayne Corbett the first night and I think Wayne Corbett was a huge influence on their team. They had him in the final. Um but look, you know, again we conceded soft goals that night and that day and I think, you know, when you come up against a team of the standard of Pike Grove, you, you can't do that. The other one against Fairview, uh, again, you know, you always question yourself after a defeat in particular. You always question yourself. In that one, it went all the way to penalties. And look, penalties are a lottery. And, and, and that, to lose in penalties, um, I don't have huge issues with that. Could we have done any more in the game? Possibly. Could we have made substitutions? I suppose if there is a criticism... Uh, a self-criticism in terms of a lot of those games. I was very loyal to the players that I trusted and, you know, uh, would have been relatively slow to make changes because yeah. we trusted the process. And we won a lot of games in the latter stages of games. So you always felt that there was a goal in us. To be fair, that day, um, Fairview just, they, they put Chuck in the middle and he just, he won every single ball and went in there. Did we have a player on the bench that we could have brought on that would have made a difference there. I don't really know, you know, but I, I don't do regrets. Um, I, I, I look, I learn from it. You Like you say, right, okay, we have to learn from this. We have to um, work forward. Um, and, and, yeah. and, you know, and huge credit to the players. Like, I mean, to lose two finals like they did yeah. and to bounce back, you know. Massive. Uh, massive credit to them, like, you know, for doing it, like, um, because you do wonder when when they come back in, what kind of reaction will they get? Like, are they going to put their heads down or just going to say, oh, it's never going to happen, you know? And just to add to that, Johnny, I was at a seminar before um, with a well-known coach inside Limerick, 
Joe Downs his name. He was saying that actually after games he used to analyse himself. So in the dressing room beforehand, what was his like? What was his energy like? Do you do stuff like that or do you kind of just say, here, look, the game is gone now? Do you say, right, in the warm-up, I was maybe not shouting as much as I was or do before? Yeah, um, I, I, I do, Declan, all the time. Like, you're, you're constantly looking at how you're preparing and, and obviously when things go wrong, you, you, you automatically look at, okay, what did I do? Could it, this have been better? Could that have been better? Um, so I, I, I think when, you're, when you are de- again dealing with players of the calibre of St. Michael's players you're constantly looking to improve you're constantly saying can we do any element of it be it the warm up and we've changed our warm up five, six, seven times over the last ten years you know in terms of what we do just to, A to keep it fresh but, but also to see can we get an extra edge on it so yeah, yeah. absolutely Look, you've probably talked about that season uh, more than you would have liked that, to be fair. Mm. And you've probably gone back it over in your head a, c- a couple of times. So we'll move on to uh, some success and stuff like that. And Danny was going to talk about some of your successful yeah, so seasons. Johnny, we met um, about two, two years ago, um, just up into the sports complex. But we talked about the 2009 season where you won the FEI. Now, it's a very interesting season because something happened in the, the other semi-final that the game couldn't be played. And you were supposed to play the final in the Aviva. You're already true to the final. You're supposed to be on the Aviva. Something happened with the semi-final. It went past the date we were supposed to be on, and then the venue ended up being moved um, uh, down down the country. So, you were peaked to play this final in two thousand nineteen, but now you had to play the final at the start for preseason. So, my question is: I mean, what what kind of energy went through the camp through through the summer? How did you keep players interested, and how did you peak the team for the three or four weeks before that final when you went on to win it? Yeah, it, it was a difficult time, you know, um, because, uh, as you said, there was objections over and back and um, we, we, were, we were the unknown in that we were in the final, but we hadn't got a clue. There was a quarterfinal, I think, objection, then there was a semi-final objection and things were over and back. and it was, So it, it was being put off and put off and put off and we were at a point and then we kept the boys ticking over. And then, you know, we had to sit down then and say, well, we can keep going because, you, you, as you say, there, there's a very short window of, of absolute peak in any team. And, and we were ready for that. And all of our training for the previous eight or nine months was, was aimed at sort of April, May period. That had gone right into June and then we're into July. And we just said, well, we, we can't keep them going because like, they'll get stale, they'll get bored. And the unknown. So we made a decision, and it was a calculated decision. So Chalky spoke about it for at length to say, right, okay, we're finished. We're going to give you a few weeks off. We're going to give you a break. Don't go nuts, but at the same time, you know, mentally switch off mentally. And was that was that a hard decision to make? Or? Huge decision because, like, the possibility was always there that the FAI would come back and say you're playing in two weeks' time. And, and you were there all of a sudden then going, well, you know, we've given them time off. Where the other teams involved, because there was a possibility of a semi-final, they were still training and, and they would have had that semi-final. So, um, yeah, we, it was a hard decision to make, but I think it was the right decision to make. What it did then was that, obviously, the, it was the 30th of August then was the, the date fixed for the final. We had a five to six week lead in. It was our normal pre-season time. It was the time where we would normally do all of our hard work um, and we obviously couldn't do that because the legs would have been dead and they just wouldn't have been in the position like to, to play the, the final 
so what we did was we, we, we put together a six-week plan and we just hoped that we, we kind of put it into three different sections where we, we worked on a little bit of work on getting more into the legs. Then, yeah. uh, then it was all about sharpness. Then it was just trying to get him to match place. We played a couple of games, uh, good games before the final, to be honest, yeah. And um, we, I think we had a senior, an FAI senior cup game and, and we, we got a bit of work done with him then. And you just had to hope, you know, you had to hope at that stage that we, um, we were at that point. And going into the final then, was there a confidence because of that six-week block and because of the break, or were you still a little bit we, sure? we, we We were still a little bit unsure, to be honest, because obviously it was Sheriff, and like Sheriff or Sheriff and, and like serious outfit. Um, we were happy enough with, with what we saw in training. We were happy enough to see what we had put in. But I suppose nothing, nothing will prepare you for a game of that intensity, particularly, as I say, against the likes of Sheriff. Um, who who play a type of football where where fitness isn't a huge issue for them? They're all very experienced, and you know they're, they're, it's a different game of ball. So we we needed to to be at our sharpest and at our best. And just from a, a personal point of view, then, were you? How did you feel about not playing in the Aviva? Just for, just for yourself, is that something that you were looking forward to? Or of course, yeah, absolutely. Like look, <laughs> you know, I could say no, it didn't matter as long as we win the FAI Junior Cup. <laughs> but everybody, it's the national stadium. It's a fantastic stadium. So course you do you want to play and i know the players wanted to play there and yeah. you know the experience they got in 2014 was was um was something special you know but funnily enough afterwards i think it was paul breen said that actually playing it in galway meant the family and the, the their family and friends and i think came out onto the pitch to celebrate with them yeah, which they yeah, obviously yeah, didn't get to do yeah, yeah, yeah. so there was probably a trade-off between both and um that uh look yeah, um, as Chalky always says, it's all about the middle in the back pocket. Yeah, you know, yeah that's true. Yeah, Johnny, just in terms of like that team in twenty nineteen, like did you kind of beforehand like say right, we're going to pick the players that are going the best at the moment, or were you, was there a tendency to kind of say right, well they got us to the final. So how how did you pick the team? We say, and I, I, look, the, the picking of the team like is is always difficult because uh, you know there's two or three. Um, calls to be made every time we pick the team there's like there's there's two or three really really difficult calls there are 50 50 suppose the place we're in is is a good place in that it's either or but we're confident that either or will do the job that we want yeah, you know like, yeah. yeah so yeah look we, we we picked it based on the team that had got us there but also the form that they were shown you know i so, think that's great sorry i just want to say that i don't think you have, sometimes as a coach you don't have all the answers and what you're hoping is that that hopefully the bank of knowledge and experience and ideas that you've generated throughout your coaching career kind of you can use it to firefight when you get to a situation like that which is what you did like you, nobody knows as you said how to react to that but you're saying right you're thinking what have i done in the past what do i think is best for the team um what have i learned from from other things that have happened and you're going this is what we're going to do and then after that you're hoping like aren't you yeah would you yeah. want to? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, so, so Johnny, just while we're on the topic of kind of like the all the national level, I wanted to speak about the the Gainer Cup win that you had a couple of weeks ago. So, I suppose the question that we we'd like to know is, I mean, you're heavily involved with sports and uh, soccer, obviously in particular. But how do you juggle your commitments? I, I mean, you have the St Michael's first team. You you've, you're involved with county teams, underage teams here as well. What way does that work, or how do you time management that? Or? Yeah, um, not not easily, Danny. To yeah. be honest, I I have. Um, I'm lucky I have a very understanding wife um, 
and, and I'm lucky that she's very involved and, and very interested in soccer and, and my two kids the same. So, um, yeah, there's times where it's almost a full-time job, like, and, and it does take up a lot of time. But, you know, I love it. And I, I kind of, I would always flip that by saying, well, you know, if I'm not in Cooper or if I'm not in the complex, where would I be? Yeah, you know, that's and, a good point. Yeah. And, and yeah, exactly. I'd probably be at home mowing the lawn, which I absolutely hate. So um, that's that's kind of the way I look at it. You know, I, I, I try to get the balance right as best I can, but that's kind of my philosophy on it. And, sure. And we'll say uh, over a space of about two or three weeks, you might have two or three big games coming up. Would you ever carry uh, the, the, the issues or problems from one game and bring them into another game? Or do you just go into one game at a time, focused and put all your energy into that? I'd love to say I do, Danny, but you know the reality is you don't. You like if you've got two or three big games coming up and um, at with different teams or with different groups, you know they are all there and they are all in your mind and you're trying to plan them all. I think the biggest the biggest challenge that I that I have is that you're dealing with St Michael's first team who are grown men and then you're going and like on a Sunday, for instance, I have the under fifteen county girls team quarter past nine on a Sunday morning. And then I'm 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 walking out of there, going over to St Michael's first team, and you you obviously you deal with grown men in a different way. You deal with fifteen year old girls, and your sessions are completely different, and they're at completely different levels. So you have to find that little little point where you switch off, you know, and you go from one to the other. But and you are on stage as well when you're a coach and when you're a teacher as well, I think, and you probably have to adopt a slightly different character, like you're saying there, for each team. Like you kind of have to go into this is where this is who I am for this team. Like no, you'll be the same person, but you'll have a different approach or a different character almost that you're playing to the to, to the teams. Like yeah, you know? of course you are. Yeah, I mean, like again with with the girls, like they're 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 still in the learning stage, and you know, and you've yeah. you've, you've got to be a lot more patient with the younger groups than you do with the the main. Yeah. Um, you've you're probably talking at a different level, and that's no disrespect to the girls. But when you have a team full of junior internationals and amateur internationals, you know what the the information you're giving them and the manner in which you give that information is completely different than it is to the girls. And just to add, if anyone that doesn't understand where the complex is in St Michael's is, you're not giving yourself an awful lot of time to switch off there, Johnny, because it's about a two second walk. It, it, it is, Danny. <laughs> but you know what I do is I, I drop into Maxar for my cup of coffee, and, and that's kind of my trigger point is that, that I give myself that 15, 20 minutes, like, and you get a cup of coffee and you kind of just change. Nice, yeah. switch over. But, I, but I'm lucky that it's, it's, it's the younger age groups forced to, to the main. I don't know how I'd react if I had St. Michael's first team forced. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. and, and uh, the frustration is coming out of that and then going to the younger group after that. Yeah, know? I think that's, and that's honest <laughs> yeah, as well, yeah. like, because it's very easy to say that I'd, if I lost the first team St. Michael's game, that I'd go to the, the underage game and be, you know, buzzing and delighted. Like, you know, I'm sure you'd be very down, like, you know. Because definitely with underage coaches, you have to be kind of... You have to have an energy as such, yeah. like, and like like that. If you are after losing a big game with Saints, and like you, you're not going to bring that energy to the to younger group. Um, just going on there, Sally. I was just wondering, right? Um, so you're after talking a good bit about coaching and managing and all the rest of it. But if we say, what characteristics does a player have to have, be it male, female, to get into your team? Like, what well, what do you look for? What are the the? That's it. Now they have to have that. I'm not even talking about skill wise, yeah, sir. Yeah, no, I, I think, I think what, what's absolutely massive for me is commitment. You know, um, irrespective of what level you're at, irrespective of, um, as I say, be it St. Michael's first team down to our under sixes or under sevens, you know, if you show us the commitment, shows that you want to learn, then 
I'll work with you. I'll work with you all day, every day of the week, you know. Yeah. But if, if, if I, I find it hard to deal with players who, who don't have the commitment, you know, because, you know, you're putting a lot of time and effort into it. Um, you, you deserve that, that level of commitment back. And it's a two-way street. So to me, that, that is the, the major, major attribute that I look in any player first and foremost. And we say now down the years, because like, obviously you've been involved for so long, have you made exceptions? Have you made exceptions to a player that, right, look, you have to get him in? Um, I would say not, to be honest, Jay, um, because the commitment issue is, is, as I say, is massive to me. And like I, I, I do struggle with people who just don't give the commitment, you yeah. know, because you, you wonder why, you know, like I know, particularly at the younger age groups, right, it's, it's social, it's sport, it's get them in, it's get them playing. And I, I'm not referring to kids, obviously, at that level. But once you get to a more serious level, like, you know, and, and I, I, think it's, I think it's fair in any code, in any sport, if you're going to take yourself to the next level, there's a level of commitment required. And I don't, I'm not, I don't imagine that any player, be it hurling, football, rugby, anything, that, is, that will make it to a high level if they're not committed. No, I think that's fair, Johnny. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, St. Michael's is a club driven by success. And you can look, I'm sure boys come up here and there's a great bond and all the rest of it. But this is a club that's after trophies, you know, and hungry for them. And every club has their own separate identity. Some clubs will be social, some clubs will be for the community. But this is, you know, a club that wants trophies. And if you can't give that commitment, you're not going to get the trophies. But did you have something about development of um, our players or that? Um, oh, yeah. We say now, Johnny, now all the years you've been involved, has ever, well, no, I'm sure it has happened, but have players come through the door that you said, right, under 12, under 13, I don't know about him, and have developed and had a really, really good career over the years? Or? Yeah, I mean, I, I would like to think that, that we, we have lots of them because we don't put a huge amount of focus at the younger age groups on on coaching you know in, in terms of tactical stuff and that we like to let the players develop as they come along and each player develops at a different rate you know um the the one player that sticks out to me to, to be to be honest is jimmy Kerr, right because jimmy didn't set the world alight as a, as a schoolboy player and um, when i took over the first team um, and I, I won't mention names, but Jimmy was playing right full on the B team. And I, and I said, I'm, I'm going to bring Jimmy Kerr into the first team squad next week. And um, the, the comment was made, um, Jimmy Kerr is not good enough to play first team football for St. Michael's. And as they say, the rest is history, yeah. you know. So yeah, Jimmy, yeah. so Jimmy, Jimmy was Jimmy was a, a let's call it a late developer. But I mean, Jimmy, what Jimmy has done in the last ten years has been just unbelievable, mm. you know. Um, so Jimmy, Jimmy is one lad, you know that that you you just see, and and you can use Jimmy then to all of the kids to say, look, you know, not not an international at under fifteen, under sixteen, you know, not one of the the players that are ear earmarked for stardom, shall we say, throughout his school by career, and as I say, like has just been phenomenal for St Michael's for the last ten. But years. I played a little bit underage with Jimmy, and I think Jimmy is to me is a is a St Michael's player. He just is very hungry on the field. You, you know, he, he, re, he tries his best. He's, he's, you're not going to win many 50-50s with Jimmy. Like, he will never give up on a ball. Like, uh, so I, I just think that, yeah, he is, 
he is the picture of that commitment that you're on about mm. and that type of player that you're, you expect at this club like. Yeah. Uh, you know, as you said, maybe not might be an international, but has that level of commitment. We wanted to go somewhere here now, Johnny, and look, we kind of spoke, spoke to the boys last night about this and we said would we mention it or not, but look, we, we said that we didn't want to do a podcast about St. Michael's without mentioning Ned and people out there will know who Ned is, but look, I suppose we just wanted to maybe focus on him as a coach, a fantastic coach. Uh, I had him as a coach going up, uh, so did Danny. Um, do you know, obviously, absolute gent and, and, and top man, but really, like, for me, was just ahead of his time in terms of coaching and had a real skill for it and was a great uh, player manager as well and was, was, was so good with the younger players in, in this club. And I think... To be honest, Ned kept me playing a small, maybe a season more than I would have if if uh, he wasn't here. Just with his his attitude and the way he was on to me to stay with the club and just being in my ear and stuff. So I don't know. Did you have any uh, words about Ned as a coach or as a or as a or as a person? Or yeah, yeah. I think I think you've summed it all up there for like Ned, like. It came as a huge blow, to be honest. And I, I know, like, in circumstances like that, you know, there, there is an element, always an element to shock. But, like, Ned, Ned was such a quiet, unassuming individual, but one hell of a coach, you know. He, for, he was almost an anomaly in that. For such a quiet man and a, a quiet lad, and he'd, he'd slip in there and he'd be gone in behind your back and, and he'd have all the cones out and you wouldn't even really know he was there. Well, the minute he started coaching, the minute he started, he got a group of kids on the pitch. He just became a different person. He, he you know, he was a top top coach, and I and I can I can't say enough for, for uh, the only thing probably that he didn't achieve what he was capable of achieving, you know, and and gone from us too soon. And and I I use the example that in two thousand six I was over the Kendy Cup team, and I brought two young, really young coaches in at the time. One being Nate Green and one being James Scott. Like, James Scott is on his way home from Norway today having managed the girls under 17 international team. Yeah. Nate was every bit as good a coach. Oh, Nate was on that level. Yeah. Serious coach. You know, but just just never probably got the breaks or got the opportunities to take yeah. it to the next level. But I think at the same time, anyone that he coached, any player that Nate ever coached, remembers Nate as being like a, an, an outstanding coach. And, yeah. and that's... Probably the best word, to, you know, is, is he was outstanding. I th- and I think, like like you said there, when he, he like he came a, became a different person when he coached and he had the floor and and we, like you had our ears and players would just like would listen to be you listen to everything he'd say and he had a way of captivating captivating the audience. I suppose, yeah, I suppose or the team. There's actually a, we're in the St Michael's clubhouse too, by the way. But what you can see over the wall is a picture of Ned with the U team after winning the league a few years ago. Myself and a few other a few other lads were on that team. But uh, just to, just to echo what you're saying, top top quality coach. Um, but um, so Johnny, just just to move on there. So a couple of questions have come in on the Instagram page, right? That we want to just touch on. Um, a lot of people will uh, associate you with uh, soccer. Look, the answer to this might even be soccer. But what are your hobbies away from football, if there is any? Yeah, hobbies. <laughs> I wish I had time for hobbies. Um, I suppose t- two things to. That that when I do get the odd odd time to get to get away from football is my dogs. I I I have two great Danes and they um they require a phenomenal amount of walking. So yeah. um it, it's it's actually great to get away. You know, like get away around the 
the roads and solid head with the dogs. It's an hour, it's an hour and a half, it's a way. Yeah. Um, and it ties in with my second, which is music. I'm, I'm really into my music. Yeah. So it's headphones on, dogs on the lead, and off I go. And I suppose people will probably want to uh, get into this question, Johnny. What, what, what type of songs are we listening to you now? Um, well, I suppose... <sighs> Back in the day, back in the day, I was... Not I was, listening to Lady Gaga. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not listening to Lady Gaga. Um, you'd probably be too young to remember this, but back in, back in the early 80s, there was the, the mod revival, and um, so oh, yeah. I had jam, the likes of the jam and, and things. So uh, still stuck in that, that era um, yeah. with, with, with the likes of the jam and the small faces. So I think what you're saying is your coaching has evolved, but your music no, has well, well, you know, uh, what you're did I say? Timeless like, classics. Yes, timeless classics. Yeah. <laughs> classic permanent. But, but yeah, that's, that's my, my musical taste, you know. Uh, another question that came in, Johnny. Um, what would you, you rank as your best, even three or four best days in football? Now, obviously, look, the easier, easy one to say is maybe 2019, but is there, is there a top three or four yeah. that... I, I think, you know, there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of massive days, as you say, you know, but, um, and, and they're, they're all fantastic occasions, and, and I suppose, you know, there's no point saying that I, I don't rank them highly, you know, but um, I, I get great satisfaction on a Monday night, Monday night is our academy night. I coach the under sixes, and and actually I love it because you're looking at those kids coming in. It's they're starting off in the journey, and when you see them, you know progress over the years. Um, that that was that was great. I think the two thousand and I think it was the two thousand and five Monster Junior Cup final blowing care, and and uh, the likes of. Danny O'Brien and Mick Ellard and Cormac Malloy and all those were on the first team squad to win the Munster Junior. And they, they were kids like that had started with the schoolboys. So I, I, I found a great sense of achievement that yeah. night, like to say, you know what, the schoolboy club, like at the end of the day, the, the dream is that you prepare players and you produce players to go on playing the first team and to be on a successful first team. So that night I kind of looked at them and went, you know what, we're doing something right here. Like, you know, it's yeah. It's, yeah. it's great to see the, the young players uh, travel through the system and, and end up achieving success. Look, I, I kind of wanted to look at a national level now, right? Because at the end of the day, look, you're heavily involved in coaching and you've, you, co- you coach a lot of players around the place. So it's, I think it's fair to say that we should get your opinion on this. Where do you see the League of Ireland fitting in in terms of football in Ireland or soccer in Ireland or whatever? A lot of us are kind of, we don't know what, it, what the role is. Uh, is, is, it to, is it to be a money-making machine? Is, is it to develop players? Like, if you, had, if you had the reins, the FBI now, or control a league Ireland, what direction would you put it in? Where do you see, where do you see it fits in in the, in the, in the whole scheme of things and football uh, in, in the country? Yeah, it, it's a difficult one, for to be honest, because... Like, it is the National League. It is, it is the highest level of football in our country. And, and everybody that plays football in the country sh- should aim to be the best that they can be and, and to play in the National League. That's not the case. That, that is not the case at the moment um, because yeah. I think there's, there's, a, there's an image problem. There's definitely financial issues within the, the National League that the, the, the league clubs as they are are not of the standard that they should be. Now, that, that's no reflection on them. But um, if, if I've got kids playing at six, seven, eight, nine years of age, other than wanting to play for Man United, they should be 
hoping to play for, for Limerick or, or yeah. Treaty United or Cork City or Shamrock Rovers, yeah. whatever it is, that's not the case, you yeah. know. And, and I, moved, I moved to Dublin in 86 with my job and I lived about five minutes from Shamrock Rovers home ground, from Glenmore Park. And I used to go on the odd weekend up there. There was thousands and thousands of people at yeah. the matches. It was, it was a fantastic atmosphere. Yeah. The League of Ireland has got to get back to there because the the pathway to England is 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 closing more and more every year. Brexit and that now yeah. everything isn't it? Like, Absolutely. Yeah. So so there has to be a pathway within our country from our level to the highest level, and and that has to be obviously financed properly. Because if it's not financed properly, the League of Ireland clubs are not just not going to be able to sustain. I think you're right. I think the League of Ireland probably have to start really focusing on their youth setup and their development, uh, their underage setup has to be a goal for theirs. And it would be great, like, like we should be going off today or whatever, Treaty City or wherever playing and getting the train in or whatever and going watching them play, like, and or, uh, buying the, scra- uh, the scarf or, you know, having the programme and knowing the players in the team. And it's a pity that there isn't that culture. Uh, and I'd love to see it get to the, a day where we could do that and enjoy the experience and that'd be our day out rather than getting the ferry over to watch Liverpool and Man United. Do you know what I mean? That should yeah. be where we want to go to, like. Do, do you feel like it's on any, any type of rise at all, Johnny, or do you think it's flatlined? There's a lot of work that going in at the moment, particularly at the underage levels. Like all of the un- all of the national league clubs now have underage academies, and they have they have t- the boys teams starting at fourteen, all the way up to nineteen, and then into a senior setup. Girls teams at seventeen and at nineteen. So the the plan as it is 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 on paper very very good. It is definitely the way to go. Um, but all of that to take it to the level that it needs to be requires a huge financial. Yeah. Uh, input. I'm not really sure whether the FAI have the money or or the, the 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 willingness to take it to that level. But if you look at other countries that are of a level in terms of size as us, and look at the stadia, and look at the infrastructure, and look at the setup of the way those national leagues are run, we we have to get to that point. And Johnny, just we say now, with um, the age group coming down, 14, 15, 16, like is there? A frustration that you have your under sixes on a Monday night and maybe you're developing these players to be snatched by Cork or Limerick or do you say right I want the leagues to get better or are you looking well I want these players for St Michael's to play first team with St Michael's I've always I've always said to any player that's looked for advice from me is you move on if it's to a higher level you, you should always challenge yourself as a player to play at the highest level that you can play at so if you're given an opportunity to play in the National League go and play in the National League but there is a frustration, obviously, when you lose players, you know, and, and particularly at, at county level. I think at the moment there's, there's 19 kids, 19 young lads, 14, 15, 16, from the league playing in the League of Ireland. Like, that has had a huge impact on our current Kennedy yeah. Cup squad, you know. Yeah. Um, and there is obviously a level of frustration there as well. But you, 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 have to, you have to look at the bigger picture and you have to say this is the individual player the players themselves are being given the opportunity to play at that next level and that's what they need to take so that's great and we'll cheers Johnny and we'll probably wrap it up there but just for myself it's been absolutely fantastic to come down here today to St Michael's and Coop Park and you know the hospitality as we said we, we mentioned for a third time we had the croissants out here <laughs> we haven't eaten them yet though so we're going, I'm going to talk in, I'm looking for the last hour this croissant in front of me but um, look uh, outstanding club and I hope people have got it who wonder a little bit about St Michael's and you know the mystique that goes with the club uh, sometimes in the town have got a little bit of an insight into what's going on here and will come down a bit more often even watch a few more games and stuff like that because really on our front door on our doorstep guys we have this fantastic 
absolute quality uh, football team that we really need to support and watch uh, as much as possible. But look, Danny's going to talk to you about uh, how you can interact with the, the podcast and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah so last um, thing, Johnny, Junior Soccer Royalty. Thanks for having us. Um, guys, if anybody wants to get in touch with us, follow us on the Instagram. Uh, get, in, get in touch with our uh, comment section and our question boxes for uh, future episodes. And uh, Deck, if you want to just finally say something to you, 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah, thanks very much, Johnny. My neighbour out in Salad, so it was great to come in and have a chat with you there today. Okay, right. Thanks a million, that's been great.